0: Welcome to the show where three friends rate, debate, and investigate the films you'll love to see and hate to see. This is You'll Love to See It.
1: Where are you? Show yourself!
0: Surprise. Welcome back to episode nine of You'll Love to See It. You'll Love to See It. I'm joined with my two kind of best friends, well, Eric Zhu and Kale Brennan. How are you guys doing today?
2: And it's also me, the Invisible Man. <laughs> you can't see wow. me, but I'm here.
0: That's funny. You know why? Because we just watched the Invisible Man. That's the title of this episode, I don't too. I know if you can
1: see the Invisible Man.
0: He's here right now. He's right there. Can you hear the invisible man? You definitely can hear the invisible man. Yes, it's me.
1: I'm. You know, what? I was thinking about that in the
0: movie. Why can can she hear him? Like, why can't she hear him more? Like, if someone was walking around your house, if someone's literally
1: walking around with a suit full of cameras, (laughs) they're not like clanking. Like, you have to be able to see the bottoms of his feet, or else he's walking on cameras.
2: He probably yeah. No, I think it's like it's a (laughs) full body suit that is probably sound uh, absorbent.
0: All right, well, before we get into... It's like,
1: it's like noise cancellation, you, you but can, like... you
2: can hear him speak when he wants to speak, right? Yeah. So... That's true,
0: You're true. You're right. He
1: probably has to, like, press a button. He's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: true.
2: Does the button make noise when you
0: press it? <laughs> That's true. That's fair. Well, before we discuss The Invisible Man, which is the title of this episode today, which will be kind of a shorter <laughs> episode just because uh, this was the movie we decided to focus on, obviously, today. Uh, and we're going to get into it pretty quickly. We do have an intro question, which for the but first dumb time, dumb. only I am aware of. What we don't know what can don't hurt, hurt us. <laughs> 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 what is your favorite film that features an invisible... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> an Invisible Man. I don't think there's. Can you name another movie that features an Harry invisible Potter man? and the I, Goblet of Fire? I've never seen any of the Harry Potters. Um, whoa. Oh, whoa! Fantastic Four. Terrible movie. Which one? The remake or the...
1: I mean, any of them. They all have an invisible woman.
0: No, they don't. What? That's her superpower! No, it isn't. <laughs> yes, it is. What are you talking is it about? really?
1: Yes, it is. And also, Violet, the Incredibles.
0: Okay, that's true. All right, all right. Well, let's <laughs> let's do our question today. Uh, let's pop the cork on the question here. Um, can't, and... can't say that. <laughs> hey, let's... you know what we should really be debating for 45 minutes is whether Careful, or not the Zach. expression... Uh, the, what is it? The yeah, what exceptions is it, that prove the rule. The exception that proves the rule. Comment if you believe that is a real saying, because it is. And Caleb Berman I'm not over here, saying it doesn't
2: who, exist it, colloquially. I'm saying it's just it logically unsound. Scientifically.
0: It exists scientifically. We've already proven that. Now, speaking of scientific things. Nice transition. Gentlemen, I want to ask you for today's question of the day. Interesting. Favorite film. Interstellar. That features. A Scientific Breakthrough. I'll go first to give you guys some time. I pick Interstellar. I hate you. I'm going to give you some time. So first, our favorite film that features a scientific breakthrough. (laughs) You know, honestly, you can. Mine's going to be my favorite, probably, classic movie, uh, which I've rewatched at least twice a year. Uh, Maybe my letterbox might not reflect it, though. I don't think I review it every time. But uh, in terms of best scientific invention, it's got to be, The Time Machine from Back to the Future. And uh, it's probably the best movie ever made, in my opinion. At least it's one of my favorite. It's got to be up there. It's one of my best movies ever made. It's a classic. You know, I know that I'm looking here and I see that... uh, a good old Eric Zoo has this movie at two and a half stars, and that's just a shame because that's a disgrace. <laughs> I remember to thinking it's boring. 80s. Wow, that's I remember. Right, I have no connection to I, whatsoever I watched, to, Back
1: to *The Beach*. And I could not care less. I can <laughs> tell you the earliest
0: I watched is one of the earliest memories I have watched this movie was in my house during a hurricane when I was living in Florida, and I remember watching this on a tiny VHS TV. But that's besides the point. Zach, did you I ask this say,
2: question so you could call
0: out Eric? I, a little bit, yeah. I, I love I love calling out Eric. I'm going to be, all, gonna be so. calling him out more later on, but uh, <laughs> I do want to say that I think uh, when I think scientific breakthrough, what what's more scientific and more of a breakthrough than a time machine? So uh, I think Back to the Future, not only a time machine, but a drivable time machine. So uh, Back to the Future is my favorite film that features a scientific breakthrough.
1: I actually have mine thought out. All right, one of them, I I guess you could count this. Do you, do you count the lobster? Do you count turning people into animals?
0: Don't spoil it for me. Is that science, though? Do they do <laughs> is <it? No. laughs> Like, is there a science? I haven't seen the film. Is there, like, a scientific method that they have to How turn this into? Is there a scientific <laughs> I'm just asking. Okay. Me.
1: Well, my other one is um, Solaris, the, like, the scientific breakthrough <laughs> of, like, creating a replica of someone that is not
2: here anymore.
0: Interesting. Never seen it.
2: In the vein of replicating someone, my favorite movie featuring a an exquisite scientific breakthrough.
1: Don't be Groundhog
2: Day. That's
0: not science. That's not even. I don't a
1: th- know. Replicating. I just thought of like same
0: day. <laughs> is of course the Prestige. Oh yeah, there we go. I you know I mean. Cloning that. Cloning. You know what I
2: mean?
1: Yeah, I literally passed by the Prestige and did not think of that. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: I. I, damn, that's a pretty good one. I would watch choice. The
2: Prestige if you haven't seen The Prestige. I didn't really give anything away, so
0: watch The Prestige. Wait, I have a question. Is that a five-star for all of us, or does one of you have a four? four and a half? I, I thought you, you don't even have it at five stars. No, no, I bumped it back. Oh. I was questioning it, and I put it back. I think it belongs there. You no, know, Eric used to have it at five stars, and then
1: does the something the a- <laughs> happened. Does the scientific breakthrough of childbirth and children of men count?
0: Oh, uh, yes. Maybe. I think, uh...
2: World of Tomorrow. Or perhaps the real... I think the real answer to this, and I won't give any explanation, I'll let you kind of think about this for yourself, but probably the best movie with a great scientific breakthrough is Finding Nemo. (laughs) What? (laughs) So today we're going to be talking about The Invisible Man. (laughs) Okay.
0: Is it that they can talk? The Invisible Man <laughs> stars Elizabeth Moss. All right, I guess we're getting into The Invisible Man. All right, all right. So, yes, we are talking about The Invisible Man. Uh, we actually just saw it in theaters three, two days yesterday? ago. We saw it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Time, that memorable, huh? Time is an enigma, which my mind has no capabilities of understanding. No, it was just yesterday. Okay, it was yesterday. <laughs> We saw in this man yesterday, um, and I don't know how much of us were expecting too much. I don't like I don't know what we were expecting going into it. Um, I know Eric we mentioned on the last podcast that or as you did Eric that you hadn't seen a lot of advertising for it, but I had seen like literally loads of advertising. But that that's because I watch more cable T V than you do, obviously. So maybe that might be Obviously. Well, Come no, on no, now, I just, Eric. <laughs> I'm just Come on, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you <laughs> playing out here? But um yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk about this movie. I feel like this is uh going to be an interesting conversation. The one thing I think we can all agree on going uh before we get into Visible Man is how awful every one of those previews were uh yesterday. Except out- one. I do I'm actually intrigued in that one film um about the the KKK like the one where they're like oh, trying to yeah. change uh one of the guys. Not going
1: to lie, I want to see the hunt. I want to see The Hunt.
0: Why? Why do you want to see The Hunt?
1: <laughs> Cuz I've seen enough advertising it for It looks so I
0: will say that Hunt trailer uh
2: seemed very different than its original trailer. There seemed a lot of Originally it just seemed very surface and in this most recent trailer they made it look like maybe
1: It looks like there's something more to it.
2: Yeah, maybe there there's something else that, you but know, there's the been... participants are more willing than it initially appeared. So maybe they're trying to Add some nuance here to make it more viewable and less, you know, guns in America type stuff that initially halted its release.
0: Well, I think it got picked up. Apparently, it got picked up by a UK um, company, and that's why it's getting released. Can you confirm that? I don't know if that's true. I, I read an article that said that it got picked up by a, uh, a different studio, and that's why it's getting a release. I didn't know if that was true. It's still
1: Blumhouse.
0: I thought I saw somewhere that he got picked, like, got...
1: White uh, Rabbit production.
0: I don't know. Either way, um, I'm not too excited to see it. But, I mean, I guess that's a conversation for another time. Maybe I'll be forced to watch it. I don't
1: know if we're going to have time. March is a big one. No, we're not going
0: to... I mean, we're not going to review it. First Cow. We will be reviewing First Cow. All right, let's get into the Invisible Man. Um, I think real quick before we get into Invisible Man, I wanted to... uh, I want to tell Eric, fill him in on some something he doesn't even know about. Um, we were walking out of the theater. I made a little bet with my buddy over here, uh, Caleb Brunman, um, and I said, uh, Eric was in the bathroom, and I said, Caleb, I bet you five dollars that Eric Sue rates this movie two stars. He took the he took the bet.
2: Pretty good odds, you know. I got a ninety percent chance to win this. Is one. it ninety percent?
1: I mean, yeah, because there's ten
2: ratings.
0: Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. But I, I was confident. I don't know why, but I was very confident. You were very confident. Apparently I'm wrong, but I actually don't think I'm wrong. I think I I think <laughs> No, you just are wrong. I, no, no, no. I think <laughs>
2: it's like it's Joker just wrong, part two. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I think Caleb is going to I think Kale paid him off. I think he said, I'll give you $10. i will give you What? <laughs> I would lose $5 to win the bet with you. <laughs> he said, I'll give you $250. <laughs> and he's splitting the winnings with Eric. Your story doesn't um, add up, Zach. It does add up. I feel like this is the second time in a row you guys are changing <laughs> something just to get at me. Um, I guess you'll find out about What is in the first time in a row? Joker, I know you don't like it. <laughs> You've been lying to me to this day. And uh, Today we're going to be discussing <laughs> The Invisible Man. We'll find out soon what Eric's real rating is, because I'm not buying what I already saw on Letterboxd.
1: Or you could just check on Letterboxd to skip. Alright, let's get, get into it. <laughs> so, uh,
0: Caleb, you want to introduce The Invisible Man for us?
2: Today we're going to be talking about The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man stars Elizabeth Moss as Cecilia. Uh, a woman who is in an abusive relationship uh, attempting to escape. One night, she does just that. Uh, And a few weeks later, we discover that her husband uh, has died by suicide. So it would seem that she would be out of this hellhole. Completely, from which she suffered for years and even after her escape, you know, the the effects of his presence or potential presence still lingered. Now, she should be in the clear. However, there are some uh, suspicious occurrences that, that transpire after uh, her husband Adrian's supposed death. And, well... She might just run into
0: the Invisible Man. Wow, that was kind of beautiful. I eloquent. Like it was he has very a way eloquent. with words. So, yeah, what's, I, think, I think let's start off with how this movie started. And let's start off with the beginning. And I want to talk about whether it captured you, what you thought about the first kind of – In my opinion, this, this movie was very different between its first, I'd say, like 45 – to. 50 minutes to its last hour Um or I should just say first hour to last hour was about two hours long but I, I thought the movie had a very big switch not only plot wise but just like a lot of the things they did I think it they felt like very different m- movies I, I want to talk about the first first half and mainly the beginning how did you did you feel kind of captivated right away or what about that first instance you know we're seeing we don't know a lot of context at this point, but we're seeing uh Cecilia played by Elizabeth Moss. We're seeing her leave this house and pretty I mean, pretty early on, we obviously know that he's probably an abusive uh boyfriend or whatnot. He's filthy rich just by that house. Do they live in New York? Is that what San Francisco, yeah. Why did I think I don't know the Golden Gate Bridge where, happened in yeah, the Golden right. Gate Where is yeah. that? Where is where would that like Dude, I I don't know. For some uh, reason Oceanside there was a glimpse huge. of this city at one point. I remember thinking that looks like New York, but it wasn't. It was San Francisco. You're right. I remember seeing the bridge. I'm dumb. Let's continue. What did you guys think about the uh first little bit of that movie?
1: Um I thought for the most part it worked. I really enjoyed the opening credits. This like huge it's the it's the house set on this huge cliff, and as the waves at night wash over this cliff, the the opening credits sort of go in and go out in an invisible manner, as one might say. That was kind um, of me. nice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I thought it set the tone very well. It's already u- using like negative space, as we'll probably get into later, and um, and then it goes into this big set piece. Sequence of Elizabeth Moss trying to sneak out of the house. She, like, gets some pills. She's, like, running out of the house trying to sneak out. There's, like, a whole thing with the dog. I thought that all worked really well. Um, There's some... I think, for me, the little hitch it gets to is, like, this period right after. Um, There's this sense in the beginning that she's this person who's, like, incredibly smart. Who's incredibly aware as she's trying to get out of this house and then suddenly there's just there's I don't know if like this is like based in reality in which I'm probably totally wrong but the fact that she goes from that to so scared she can't get out of her house to there's an invisible man and I'm gonna stab him in probably in the span of like a week it seems like like a few weeks maybe um but I think the beginning that first set piece really works for me. If we take out all the stuff where she can't get out of the house, but if they would made that in some more like more subdued way, I probably would have bought it. And I actually really enjoyed everything with the beginning of her fi- like finding out that there's an invisible man because that I think that's where the core of the concept is. And I think the way it does that, as melodramatic and exaggerated as it is, I think did work for me.
2: Caleb? Yep, I, I thought the, the opening set piece was was done well. It was pretty suspenseful. Uh, and, you know, I liked how no more context than was absolutely necessary was provided. You kind of just dropped right into the movie, uh, which I am usually a fan of, and I thought especially worked here. Um, as far as... Cecilia's transformation from from being so terrified to, uh, you know, empowered and and ready to, to to kill. I think I I buy it a little more than Eric does. Um, I I see it more as a product of the situation she was placed in, and really, Adrian, her husband, uh, forces her hand and she doesn't really have the option of, of cowering uh, when her life is literally being destroyed. So uh, you know it made sense to me it was uh, was it a little quick perhaps but I think that's a better option than than sitting and waiting for a maybe more natural arc to come about because I don't know how interesting that would have been to watch.
0: Yeah, I want to say that I, I you know what we're going to talk about and I I've, I've written notes. Um, just in general for, for things because there's a lot to kind of look at in this movie and I feel like one of the things is the contrast between uh, the first half of the movie to the second half where she's finding out about this invisible man, you know, we, we don't really find out until I believe the first sense we get, correct me if I'm wrong the first sense that we get that there's something going on isn't until we see the invisible man's breath that one point is that the first time we like know he's there i I don't know. yeah it is so like before that you I think kind it of...
2: might even be when he takes the knife
0: from oh the you're kitchen. right you're right before but, that
2: but, but yeah i mean i guess that in was... both in both cases she doesn't know yeah at this point yet.
0: she's pretty pretty like you know she su- suspects it just she doesn't really suspect anything um she's just kind of like you know like oh some weird things are happening the door's opening uh the knife's gone or the, the fire in the little frying pan and things like that. The first half is it seems to be pretty slow because it's building up this idea that, you know, she feels like she's losing her mind. But then she very quickly knows she's not. But that there's something more. Do you do you think. There was. Let me, let, me, let me think about this. So we know pretty quickly. Uh, that there is an invisible man, right? Well, I mean, we know from the title of the movie, and we'd be pretty cool we... if there was no invisible <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm I'm kind of intrigued about this idea of like we know very quickly we see things that she doesn't see, right? In mm-hmm. the very in the first few scenes where there is an invisible man, do you think the film does a good job? To, like, do you wish there was more of her making herself feel like she's going crazy? She seems to catch it on pretty quick. Like she seems very quickly to be like. This guy's invisible. Like, uh, to me, it felt like there was a few scenes, but then she was just like, I think he's still here. And do you feel like there should have been more of a, you know, psychological aspect of her feeling like she's going crazy? Or how do you think that was? Yeah, I was, I I thought
2: about that, and I thought that might be a more compelling uh, option. But uh, the director, Lee Winnell, just does not allow for that possibility at, at all. So it it's hard to even consider in the context of the movie that we're presented. So I I re, yeah, I don't think this movie is as much about uh, you know, what's going on inside her head as much as it is more external issues, uh primarily gaslighting. Um but even then I don't think that the movie is very successful in its presentation. That's mostly what I've been thinking about. Uh, So if you guys want to say a few things, and then I'll jump more in depth into what I mean. There, Eric?
1: Yeah, I think for me, this is, at its core, still just a popcorn flick. And I think that's what helps me rationalize a lot of it more. It very clearly knows what it wants to be, and The things like the gaslighting, how a lot of it is about, like, her societal isolation in, like, everyone else's belief that this invisible man, this, like, ghost of her past exists. Um, That's, like, it's all there, but it's never something that's fully, like, addressed. This is a movie that's very clear that it's... What it's talking about is in the concept, not necessarily all of what the like content is about what it wants to be is still at its core this sort of suspenseful horror like slasher pick um and i i do i think i do see how this isn't this to me isn't a story to like pick apart at it's just like not made for that like i think simply in the fact that you know there has to be some resolution or some sort of explanation for everything that's going on that, like, at one hand validates her, but on the other hand, just, like, is going, like, that's inevitably going to just tear apart the entire fabric of just, like, what's going on. I I do agree in terms of some, and some on, like, a pretty basic level that a lot of it is super over the top and that there's a lot of plot points that are, <laughs> like, a lot of Ways for other characters to see what's going on that aren't picked up on that are just like so blatantly obvious and like slightly frustrating. But I think as a whole, I don't have a huge issue with it, especially as I think I was so enamored by um, a lot of the suspense and a lot of the set pieces that was that were going on and by Moss's performance, especially as she's like scrambling and just clawing at things that aren't there.
0: So I want to talk, before we get into, um, I know you want to say a few things, Caleb. I want to just do one or two more quick things just to kind of get, so we have like an overarching view of the movie as a whole. Um, The second thing was, I talked about the first half. The second half of the movie, at least to me, seems to be very different in some aspect. And I think to me, it seems a lot more action-y. I feel like you have a lot more going on, where in the first half of the film, you have a lot more of just this, stillness in terms of like what's happening you have like the use of negative space which continues in the second half for sure but there's a lot of like just like kind of sitting around like it's very slow it's all happening at these things are happening at night she's discovering them the second half the movie picks up space very quickly in terms of the things that happen like you know boom she's doing this boom she's in a hospital boom this Um, which I, I have to say, I, I enjoyed the second half of the film more in my opinion. And I actually thought that the hospital film, or I guess the, um, is that, it's supposed to be hospital. Is that the right? Yeah. It's a hospital. Yeah. The hospital section I thought was to me, my favorite part of the film. And honestly, a great, like, I don't know what it was like, I mean, we can talk about more after, but I thought that, that scene, that whole sequence was very well done. I really enjoyed that. Did you guys preference? Did you guys have a preference for one half of the movie? Did you feel like there maybe wasn't that big of a difference? Did you? How did you feel about that?
2: Yeah, I definitely thought the second half was the better half. I thought the turning point is the scene where Cecilia is at dinner with her sister Emily, and out of nowhere, the Invisible Man slits uh, um, Emily's throat.
1: If you don't want spoilers, you might want
2: to. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> hypothetically
1: (laughs) in one case
2: (laughs) we're gonna begin the spoiler section in three two one so there's a scene where Cecilia and Emily are having dinner and the invisible man slits Emily's throat and that I thought that was a just it came out of nowhere I thought it was pretty bold and it really set the tone for for what was to come it really you're like okay now this is a this is a serious movie. Things are really going to get wild now. And they did. Uh so kudos to to Winnell for following up on on that exciting moment. Uh and yeah, I, I really like the action. Like you said, the the hospital scene really well done. Um which I liked more because at that point the invisible man suit was kind of flickering in and out because it was it had been damaged. I thought when it was just, you know, invisible fight scenes, when it was just, for example, Cecilia fighting uh, the invisible man, and he was completely invisible because the suit hadn't suffered damage, I thought almost all of the invisible combat looked really dumb. Uh, I, I just... Yeah, I, I... I just couldn't really get past it. I just It just was not made for me, I guess. Um, but once the suit started popping in and out, and you could actually see the figure of a person, uh, I thought that, that's what uh, helped make the the hospital scene really cool, along with how it was blocked, uh, how it was shot, well edited, and how integral uh or integral it, it was to to the story and Cecilia's character.
1: Yeah, I I do think the film picks up, and I do really enjoy the second half. I think for me, the highlight is actually that entire sequence where she, like she's just been blamed for hitting James's daughter and James is out of the house, and she is just, like, alone with the Invisible Man. I I personally really enjoyed all the parts where the man was invisible. I I, I mean, I enjoyed when he was not invisible anymore, too, but I... It felt more suspenseful to me when, when he was invisible, and personally, I think, for that scene in particular, where she's, like, <laughs> spraying the coffee grounds, or she goes up to the attic, or she's, um... Like, pours the paint
0: on him. Yeah, to... she pours
1: the paint. I... I really like the fact, personally, in that section, that there's the added stakes that not everything has like completely crumbled for her yet. Yet, like, yes, she's like lost. I has she has her sister died at that point?
0: No. No, she no. hasn't. They're still in the house. This is in the uh, scene where like she, where the, that
1: ends with her running out of the house and
0: getting yeah. Her. She her sister hasn't died yet.
1: Okay, yeah, like her her relationship with her sister is ostensibly like not going well. She's sort of just ruined this relationship with this friend she's living in. But there's still that hope there that she can get her life back. And through this entire scene, you're watching her fight, like hoping that there's a chance. But at a certain point, you also really just like know that there's no chance and we're going to have to watch the fallout. And then this is all the tension that's leading up to this meeting with her sister, which like at this point we're led to believe is going to be like the saving grace that turns this movie from like a total like downward sloping um like as Caitlin mentioned, like hellhole into like, oh, we're all gonna work together to help defeat this invisible man, which obviously does not happen and leads to the the like well done second half of the movie.
0: Okay. Well, I want to then I guess there's I mean there's there's I, I, the more I think about it, there's a lot to talk about in this film. I think you can talk about um how well done or not well done the whole I don't want to say science behind the suit they like they don't get into it but there's definitely a focus on it there's that point where you're viewing all the cameras you know you see her uh you know you find out very early in the film that uh this guy is he looks like a Tony Stark right like you see that initial viewing of his garage where you see all this like technology and you're like you know, oh, you know, like, what's going on here? And then you get that scene in the last third of the movie-ish where she breaks into the house and finds the second invisible suit. Um, you get this close-up of all the cameras, like, on the suit and, you know, presumably showing you how it works. Did you feel like it was missing anything? Do you feel like that there was not enough? Do you think that they, it was perfectly done? Like, obviously, you know, you don't want to go into a whole explanation probably. But... It also seemed kind of weird that you know, I to me like no one knew this suit was being produced. I mean, I mean, it's, he worked. He he was the owner, I guess, of the company or CEO of a company. Um, it seemed as though no one else knew about the suit except for obviously the brother, uh, which we'll talk about after. But how did you guys feel about that aspect as a whole, or did it not really?
2: Yeah, no, I thought it was very adequately done. I I didn't. There's no need. In this type of movie, to go into the deep science of how an invisibility suit might be possible—that's <laughs> that's just not uh, what this is about. So they give you, you know, some basic ideas that you can, you know, work with as you will, and I think that's fine. Uh, it it doesn't need to be, you know, anything special. You don't need a complete explanation. Like it, it your suspension of disbelief should, I believe, carry you uh, through. Through the possibility. Through through the premise.
1: Yeah, that's what it goes at. It like, we don't know. Cameras, sounds related, yes. That's essentially it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about the other characters then. Um, obviously, the, the movie focuses exclusively on, well, pretty much exclusively on Elizabeth Moss's character, uh, Cecilia. But there are probably, what, you got the uh, two people she's living with, you got the sister- you got the brother. That's about the cast, and then her her you know abusive boyfriend. So you have five others, roughly. You know, um, I kind of want to talk about the choice to not show the boyfriend too much. Uh, what you feel like that is about, and if there is an artistic reason why, or you know, is it that just the actor was maybe not the the best in the world? Overall, it. it I want to talk about the other five characters. So you have uh, Cecilia's sister. You have the person... Emily, Emily, sorry. You have the person that uh, Cecilia is living with, James, James. and his daughter, uh, James, and James' daughter, Sydney. You have the brother of her boyfriend, Tom, and then you have the boyfriend... um, Adrian. Adrian. So did any of them strike you as well, very, very well-crafted characters? Did you feel something was missing from each of them? How do you overall... Um, I'm, I'm going to start with just saying that I at first had a little bit – the dialogue is not the most amazing thing in this movie. <laughs> um, I, I really was not a huge fan of it overall. I think especially in the first – I think it got better, but I think that might be because it was less focused on it because you were paying attention to other things. But in the first half of the movie when things are slow – the dialogue is really important because that's what you're paying attention to, especially when before you know there's an invisible man. The first scene with uh, Cecilia and um, James is <laughs> something. Um, I don't know what the word. It may be cringy. I, I, I wasn't a fan. Um, I felt really weird about it. Um, it. It just felt too chill. I, I don't know. Um, the dialogue... Was probably, you know, it's not the strongest dialogue, you know, I'm sure we've ever seen in a movie. Um, I don't think it was terrible, but I definitely thought there were parts that seemed to be very interesting in terms of some of the things they said just seemed very um, casual and very odd for the moment, I guess I'll say. What do you guys think about that? Um, well, I'll go
2: back to your question about the characters. Do you think any of them are are really well crafted no Um, worse than that and here's where I'll go into my mini rant Um, especially as it pertains to the gaslighting which again I think really is the the idea of this movie is to demonstrate uh, a world adjacent or perhaps even identical to our own uh, where women are are not believed uh, when they when they come forward, so I don't think that these characters. I think these characters uh harm that thesis because they are just so incredibly stupid. Not even that they <laughs> seek to. Not even that they're you know actively trying or even passively trying to to you know make Cecilia look crazy. But they're just. So stupid that you can't even get behind the thesis in the first place. Allow me to present some evidence. First, I, I just need to say that James... I need to put this out there. James, who who is played by Alice Hodge, who uh, Cecilia lives with after she leaves Adrian. James is a detective. Just going to say that. Okay.
1: He's a police officer.
2: That's what it was originally said, but then he, he works in a suit, which... Brings me, leads me well, he, to believe yeah, that he, and he is a detective. He talks about that
0: he's on the, like, he, is, this is his case at yeah. one point. I, I was led to believe he was a detective too, but I. I
1: really? I, I was like, I was convinced he was a police officer the whole time. Like a, just a patrol officer? Yeah,
0: just like a. I don't know why he goes to work in a suit. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I
2: don't know. I watched a lot of crime procedurals <laughs> in my youth, <laughs> and the detectives go to work in the suit, the officers are in their patrol
0: uniforms. Yeah. yeah.
2: Anyway, I'm going to go with detective because it makes my argument sound better. (laughs) So there are three main devious acts committed by Adrian's invisible man that are designed to make Cecilia look crazy. Number one, in Cecilia's escape from Adrian, she drops her bottle of diazepam, which Adrian picks up. Later, the invisible Adrian drugs Cecilia with those same pills, causing her to fail her architecture interview. Crucially, Adrian leaves the bottle on Cecilia's sink. She discusses this inexplicable appearance with Adrian's brother Tom and James. Tom attempts to gaslight Cecilia, saying, more than asking, Oh, so you lost a pill bottle and then you found it. Of course, Cecilia dropped the bottle outside her oceanside estate miles away from James's home where she is now living. More damning evidence of foul play, though, is what is on the bottle. Adrian's bloody fingerprints. Even if James is too callous to believe Cecilia when she promises she left the pills behind, the blood, (laughs) coupled with other, to say the least, mysterious occurrences, warrants investigation. If James doesn't believe her when she says that the blood is new and not hers, then he's just an asshole. Which might be part of Winnell's point, but that idea doesn't make sense when James is painted as a pure, albeit frequently dim-witted, good guy. Number two, Adrian sends an email from Cecilia's account to her sister, Emily, insulting her, calling her suffocating, and in effect, forcing her out of Cecilia's life. Soon after, Cecilia shows up to Emily's home, and Emily won't listen to a word Cecilia has to say. Now, if I had received an email from my sister that told me to stay away, and then hours later she showed up on her own volition asking for help and claiming to know nothing about the email well, I can't see myself believing that she pushed send. Especially if I had done nothing to provoke such a hate-filled letter, and especially if the letter didn't match precisely her writing style, which, in all likelihood, Adrian's did not. In the broader context of the film's narrative, issues also emerge. There's no reason to expect even a natural downturn in their relationship. After all, they're close enough that Emily showed up for, as far as she knew, a secret mission outside Cecilia's house at 4 a.m., No questions asked. And there's certainly no reason from any perspective for Cecilia to suddenly, over email, push her sister away. But even if Emily was so blind, this is a perfect time to turn to the detective with whom she is currently living. There is no way (laughs) if Cecilia goes to James and says, I didn't send this email, something is wrong, that he shoots back, Nope, I think it was you. There's no way. From there, James could investigate. If the email wasn't sent from Cecilia's phone or computer, I'm thinking Adrian's phone, which we know he has, and from which sending an email would be less dangerous to his disguise. well that's substantial proof that someone is messing with her. This confirmation would also lend credence to Cecilia's other claims. Number three: Adrian punches James's daughter Sydney in the face. <laughs> Now, my problem with this scene is not in theory, but in execution. When the assault occurs, Cecilia is sitting stationary on the ground, and Sydney is looking right <laughs> at her. Because there were only two people in the room, I understand how difficult it would be to rationalize that Cecilia wasn't the one to hit Sydney. But I can't fathom why Winnell would block and shoot the punch in such a way that it is obvious that Cecilia is not to blame. Again, Sydney is looking right at Cecilia and Cecilia doesn't move. This part of Adrian's plan would have been very impactful if, say, Sydney had turned around and then Adrian struck her from behind. The way it exists in the movie, the attack is just plain silly and should vindicate Cecilia, not undermine her. So I suppose, ultimately, the people who supposedly love Cecilia could not believe her. And, like I've said, I would argue that this is a movie about how we should believe women, and I don't disagree with that sentiment. The problem arises when the situations in question don't provide adequate reason to disbelieve. Maybe James, Emily, or Sydney don't initially believe Adrian is the culprit, because that would be a pretty radical conclusion, but clearly something is up. That everyone is too stupid to realize, to me, feels less like commentary and more like lazy storytelling. In the film, gaslighting exists, but only in such ridiculous measures that it never managed to affect me.
0: Wow. That was something. I have to... Eric, you look like you might disagree on some of it. Do you...
1: I guess... Okay. I have not thought any of this through as (laughs) much as Caleb (laughs) has, but for me... This is a story where the society is meant to ignore all of these cues. That's part of the point of it. You even these characters that are labeled as pure such as Emily who I guess in some ways like yes she's a very close sister but like I guess she's never completely labeled as like an asshole other than when she like just assumes that this letter is um And when she's so mean to to the the waiter. waiter. (laughs) Yeah, she's so mean to the waiter. (laughs) But I think for James, there's a very, there's a more, there's a more literal example simply in the fact that when um, Cecilia finds Adrian's phone up in the attic, James is in Adrian's contact. So there's some sort of connection there that we're not sure about. And even if, like, I, I think the idea of it is more that this is a society that isn't, this is a society that's very clearly very, very similar to us in scary ways, but some parts of it are exaggerated to show that this, this, um, ignorance towards everything that's happened to her is almost intentionally baked into the fabric of everyone, even the people that you might think are, um, are, like, supposed to be there to help you. And I think, that's something that helped me get over a lot of the past. because it's so true. Like, even like the bloody fingerprints. Like, you could even like check the DNA and to be clear that like, or like, there's so many things that could go wrong. But like that, not that could go wrong. That would vindicate her. But their purpose. I think that it's more of a purposeful choice not to not to deal with them because that's just what's supposed to be depicted in terms of how scary the society is and supposed it's there to supposedly make us it's there for us to reflect on like if there's signs this crazy that like we haven't picked up on or even like Roman Polanski just won best director for the Caesar awards yesterday we know we literally have a confession that he is a convicted like statutory rapist Yet everyone's still, in some ways, at least there are people completely disregarding that and still like giving him jobs and like giving him work when they are like the victims who have all come out and all shared their stories. And I would argue that that is, if anything, even more damning than like like the phone in the attic or something.
0: I'm just gonna say that I also felt like this movie suffered from a little bit. Like I I, I understand suspending belief. For a little bit i i just felt some actions were really too stupid i even felt like why did cecilia not bring the phone with her to show in the that was in the attic look i thought even that could have given her something and then i i, I felt like this one is a little less i don't really i'm not as upset with this i i still feel like that the, the kid the one where her sister gets her throat cut you just, you see the knife just standing, sitting in the air next to her, cut her sister's throat, and then it, it gets put into the hand. I I just feel like, like, no, so no one saw anything? Like, that's kind of believable. But there's no cameras either? Like, I just felt like there was, you had to suspend your belief quite a bit. It wasn't absurd. But there were times where I felt the film was asking you to go a little bit extra that I didn't know I was, like, able to. I understand I already have to disbelieve a little bit with the invisibility as a a whole. And I I understand a little bit of the, like, people not believing her because it's a crazy fucking insinuation to have. But I just thought there was still some. And I guess it got fixed a little bit towards the end where they talk about. Oh uh, well, after after the the suits flickering and the guards all see it, and then they, there's video camera evidence. You know, James is as the detective, I guess, says, "Oh, there's we got video camera evidence." Uh, the guards testified, "You're good." Like, so you're 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 saying that it's like it happened there, but it doesn't. I don't know. I just felt like it was kind of convenient. And- because in
1: that in that instance, they didn't need it was. It was, it had affected people other than her.
0: Yeah, and I guess that's fair. I, 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 I it, it wasn't too bad. I think I'm a little bit in between. Um, You know, I, I, I do think there were some interesting scenes. I, 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 I thought the scene with, with, uh,
1: like the punching thing is meant the, the, to be blatant. So it's yes, meant to vindicate her. The punching her. They're thing. They're all meant to vindicate her. Like, if there were, like, I don't think there's meant to be any ambiguity in any of these scenes. Like, I think that's a very intentional choice.
0: Because we're getting a little... Like, I guess... Oh, sorry. Okay, no, 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 never mind.
1: I, like, I, I do agree at that point, they probably could have gotten away. I, they could have done, like, for example, the daughter turning around. Yeah. I think they could have done that because it's just so clear what's happening at that point. And we already know there's an invisible man. That's the I... only
0: one that feels a little sloppy <laughs> to me. Yeah.
1: I mean, I think for me, the big thing is just the, the bloody pill bottle. Like, that's, yeah, like, that's that so be... obvious.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'll just say... Yeah, I, I see what you're saying, Eric, and yeah, I, I guess I agree that these all are meant to be blatant. I guess I just have a fundamentally disagree with the choice to make them all blatant. I guess maybe that goes back to me saying this is probably a more compelling movie if you have to question at all whether what's going on is just in her head. But since you know from the get-go the fact that everything is so obvious... Like Zach said, it just pushes your suspension of disbelief way beyond its limits, or at least that's what it did for me. And as far as James being a contact in Adrian's phone, I don't think that was meant to show any relationship between them. I think that was just uh, more supposed to be more evidence that Adrian is, you know, this genius who's always steps ahead. And even when Cecilia thought she would be safe with James, you know, Adrian knew uh, where she would be and already has James's contact info, and you know is is way ahead of her. But yeah, I, I just I could not go along with with how absurd things got, and that I think that, you know since I see that as the essence of the movie, the the idea of gaslighting, and I and I just I could not I could not make you know I, I could not okay. make do with 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 its execution.
1: Um I think it's really interesting to think about this movie but made more ambiguous because I think I think something I said at the start of the podcast was this movie's place is essentially just like a pretty broad enjoyable like sort of popcorn slasher flick um and I think in that sense it could not have been more ambiguous it could it couldn't have been ambiguous since it doesn't want because that's sort of slippery slope, but I think it almost would be interesting if it were ambiguous and it's almost like a litmus test like this entire film as, like itself would be like a call out to the people that read it as all in her own head. I think that's sort of interesting, but I think in this case, that's just not what they were going for at the start, but I, I do agree that that prob- like, probably would have been like a cooler movie experience for me.
0: Before we get to uh, before we wrap up and give our final reviews, we're going to get to talking about the ending because I think there's a lot to say there. Uh, But I want to say one thing too is that I was talking with a friend yesterday, and she told me that she felt like this very clearly represented, and I don't think it's new. I'm we might be able to name more movies like it, but this felt to her like a very symbolic movie of the Me Too movement that this is kind of where cinema is right now, um, and that they felt like. You know, like we talked about it, gaslighting is a huge part of this movie. And so before we talk about the ending, I want to just ask, you know, kind of real quick. Do you feel like this movie is it, this is its main goal is to kind of talk about the, the almost the Me Too movement gaslighting as a whole? And if it, if so, does it do it successfully?
1: I think the thing that I love about it the most is that it's a movie with public consciousness like Me Too on its mind, but it never specifically calls it out. The goal of this movie is still, is still generally this idea of this, like the Invisible Man. Like I've t- said it so many times, it's like this slasher pick. but it it just has these other p- like elements that we always think about. This Me Too movement in movies, this this idea that spanned essentially probably this past like five years in film and I think it's not it is in a way about it simply because of the concept but it's more using it to heighten to heighten the to heighten the like suspense and to heighten the like emotional effect of it and like the horror of it because we know that on some level this is something that happens in real life even if the premise of it is so far fetched
2: yeah, I mean as far as is this movie about Me Too and gaslighting and does it do it do it successfully I think you 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 know how I feel about that. Um but otherwise, yeah, I I, I agree with Eric there.
0: there. Alright, well before we wrap up, I wanna talk um and you know, before we wrap up and give our final uh, you know, opinion on the film, I wanna talk about the ending. Um the ending was rather interesting to me. I didn't really expect it at all. Um there's kind of this quick, and you're you're led to believe, and you know very early on, this this ex-boyfriend is very uh, manipulative. You know he's very intelligent. Um, <coughs> there is, you know, the scene where you know she finally gets the upper hand. She being Cecilia, and she kills the invisible man. But we learn that it's not the invisible man; it's actually his brother, uh, Tom, in that suit, and you know there's a quick scene where they're showing the police breaking into the house and they're seeing you see uh um what's his name i keep forgetting. Adrian Adrian um you know beat up in you know wrapped up in rags and stuff like that. rags <laughs> like rope and stuff um and you know like she cecilia doesn't buy it and there is this whole scene at the end where cecilia is going to adrian's house adrian is saying oh this wasn't me you know, I really want you back in my life, blah, 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 blah. And she obviously doesn't buy it. Um and more so, your the viewer and her are given a answer to is it really was it really him? Just by that the moment where he says surprise and you've recognized that voice, which I actually enjoyed that. I thought it was a kind of clever way. I thought of it like, oh, he's you know, he probably knows maybe she has the police listening or something like that. I thought it seemed kind of clever. And then we get to this part where all of a sudden, you know, she goes to the bathroom and you see him, you know, quote unquote, slice his own throat where, you know, it's uh, it's Cecilia in this other invisible man suit. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Invisible suit, whatever. Um, how did you feel about the ending as a whole? Do you think it lacked anything? Did you feel like it was, I, I you know, I, I guess it's kind of hard because obviously the director had a had a vision himself herself himself himself (laughs) himself um but i just kind of do you did you feel satisfied did you feel like there was a resolution did you feel like it was a little cheap you know you know you have her um you know she takes his suit she slits his throat he's talking to james and she just goes off and presumably everything's good you know she's she is free you know life is good you know what? What do you what do you think um, about the ending? Do you have any quarrels with it, uh what? what I just want to hear what you guys have to say.
2: Uh, I mean, there's definitely resolution. Um, was it super satisfying? I guess in in the framework of the story, I, I don't really see how else the movie ends. Um, it worked well enough, I guess. Uh, I thought the last shot. Uh, <laughs> where um, where Cecilia stops walking for no reason. She's walking away from the house <laughs> and then suddenly she stops for no reason and stands there and the camera lingers on her staring at nothing for a long time. Probably not the best way <laughs> to end a movie. Um, yeah. But overall, the I guess the, the final end, the, the climax, it worked. And it, it brought back kind of the the surprise that um uh, happened with uh Emily's throat being slit so it wasn't as shocking or impactful probably as when it first happened but you know there's still always going to be some visceral effect when someone's throat gets slit by an unseen force so it was powerful um there and uh, it worked overall
1: yeah. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I was it the most satisfying thing? I'm not sure, but I, I do think it worked. I think as soon as they showed that the brother was the guy in the suit, they had to do that scene. And mm-hmm. I think her taking the knife was like a symbolic, like almost like emasculation that I I think worked well wh- I think it worked well enough. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Alright. Well let's uh let's do it. Um I guess I'll start. Um Overall, I enjoyed this maybe more than I thought I would. Um, I definitely felt myself uh, enjoying the second half more. Um, I don't know why. Uh, you know, I, I, I understood and I, I kind of was intrigued by the suspense that was being created with the kind of slow, like, is he here right now uh, in the house kind of idea. I just really, really liked it when it picked up a little bit. Um, and I really, really loved the hospital scene. I thought that was a great scene. Um, and... Overall, I was I, I, I liked it. It was it was more than I was expecting, in terms of the I was I. There were times that I was really in suspense. Um, and you know I'm there were there were things that were maybe a little bit. I felt like not conven- I, There were just things that I, I don't know how I feel about. There was the pregnancy thing which didn't get wrapped up at all. I guess the presumption is she maybe had an abortion because she didn't want to keep... I, I don't know what the whole presumption with that was. Um, you know, I guess part of the reason is he wanted to keep her alive because he had her child, or she had <laughs> his child, and, uh, you know, he wanted to build a new life with her, and it was... It, you feel gross. Like, you feel like, yeah, this guy's sick. Like, it's, it's pretty, like... You know, discussing in that aspect, and you know, I I think Elizabeth Moss did a fantastic job. I I do think there are just so many, not I don't know if it's questions or just lingering thoughts that leave me a little dissatisfied. But I think overall, I still really enjoyed this movie. Um, and because of that, uh, I rate it three and a half stars.
1: You love to see it, yeah. I think, yeah, I thought this was just a really solid movie, and I think. The thing that I really like about it is for like a fairly big budget movie, I feel like a lot of what we talk about with movies sort of around these subjects is how subjects such as Me Too or like diversity get shoehorned into movies and made a, and like it to the point where they overshadow the movie to the point where it's almost like too blatant of a show. And I feel like this is the this type of movie is the direction we should go in, where these ideas are very clearly on the movie's minds, and they're very clearly a point of discussion about the movie, but not the sole thing the movie is for. I think this is the type of movie that's gonna champion like and like this is the type of direction we should be going in. Um, yeah, very solid film. Really enjoyed it. Um, three and a half.
2: So uh, my main qualm has already been thoroughly discussed, so I won't touch on that anymore. I'll just give some other notes. Uh, On the negative side, the score, which I thought was just excruciating units of of blown-out bass. (laughs) (laughs) It was was just someone made some, some noises on some instrument, and then they just turned the bass all the way up as if that alone would, I don't know, create tension it, it was it was horrible um Zach I don't know if this is the exact scene you were referencing but the scene where Cecilia gifts James the ladder <laughs> and then they celebrate <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely one of the most cringe-worthy I've ever seen um more plotty stuff so Adrian is an evil mastermind as we're told someone who thinks through every possibility someone who is always ten steps ahead and he initially gets exposed because he forgets to put his phone on do not disturb or turn it all the way off. That's crazy. <laughs> Additionally, his phone with pictures of Cecilia and Sydney sleeping is pretty good evidence that he's alive. Pretty good uh, because, you know, these pictures are taken after his death and his phone is located in James's house. That's crazy. So there's no way that if he really was the genius that we're told he is that he would let his phone be discovered. Also, in the meeting where Cecilia, James, and Tom discuss the pill bottle, Tom, again, that's Adrian's brother, with a straight face, says something along the lines of, Adrian's true genius would not be building an invisibility suit. It would be making you think he built an invisibility suit. I have nothing to say to that except it's the line of the year. (laughs) with Adrian supposedly dead and Cecilia no longer living in the beachside estate why was the dog left behind and who fed the dog between the time Cecilia left and returned poor Zeus Uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen does not play convincing genius Um, and one final thought on the mental subjectivity that was not there because Winnell doesn't even offer the possibility that Adrian's actions are all in her head, I think the more interesting movie, we've discussed, you know, possibly one where there is mental subjectivity. If you wanted to go in a completely different direction, I think a more interesting movie might have been the police investigation into the Invisible Man. How do you go about capturing a criminal you can't see? Now, obviously, it's a very different story, but I think it sounds like a pretty compelling narrative. Positive notes, uh, talked about uh, the dinner scene with the knife. Uh, I thought that was, like I said, very bold and a great turning point that really kicked the movie up a gear. Before then, I was i was completely out on the movie, and that brought me back in. Like we said, great sequence in the hospital. Uh, I haven't really talked about Elizabeth Moss's performance, but it was very good, as you might expect. Compared to recent performances, probably not as good as her smell, but then again, she has more to do in her smell. And finally, I appreciated uh, Winnell's patience and not showing the invisible man or suit before it was necessary. You really took a lot of time. Like I said, employed a lot of negative space, which uh, was probably the the right choice to build suspense. So those are all my thoughts. Overall, two stars.
0: I made the bet for the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) So I was 50% right. You were not at all, right? I was like, like, you know, right idea, wrong person. To quote Elizabeth Moss,
1: let's give these people a show. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to say that.
0: (laughs) Well, I have to say, uh, since I've seen like two movies in 2020, this is my number one right now. So it's ahead of uh, first cow. First Cow is coming up soon. I,
1: I, I'm going to say this. First Cow is going to be a number one movie of 2020. I'm saying it right here.
0: I'm holding you to that right now. I'm holding you to that right now. I bet it won't even there's make the top five.
1: The only thing, there's very few things. That it, I'm like, I'm very excited.
0: All right. Well, on that note, thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time. Nice.